friends, welcome Marshall Doherty to the Disciples Made podcast. So Marshall. Great to be here, Brian. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about just like who you are, your family, and some faith background before we get into kind of career stuff. Sure. I, well, I've been married to my wife, Tracy, for gosh, almost 34 years. And uh, Brian, you know Tracy, she's by far my my better half, wonderful woman, and uh, a tremendous ministry on our own part with uh, women and leader development and faith-based uh, you know, marriage and, and uh, really just leader development for many, many years. Mm. And uh, we have two adult daughters, both married to wonderful young men and, and uh, one living in Texas, one in, in uh, Florida, uh, Catherine and Victoria. And as far as faith background, I, I grew up in the, I'm a cradle Episcopalian, grew up in the mm. Episcopal church. And, and then over my adult life, as, we, as we've traveled and moved around uh, with work, uh, attended a, num- a number of different denominations and churches, but I've uh, uh, been a believer since before I could remember and, and uh, frankly kind of find myself personally trending back to, uh, I, do, I do enjoy the formal liturgy of the Episcopal Church. It gives me a, a framework and consistency and just you know kind of cut, coming back home in my my uh, personal worship. Yeah, oh, I love it. So you are currently in the marketplace as an integrator. Wanted you to talk about that, but start with like, what's your career been? I mentioned that this was the largest entrepreneurial ecosystem in the world. So who did you work for and tell us your role and kind of the background of that? Well, Brian, it's kind of funny. I, I call myself the accidental uh, uh, career uh, person in that I served in the army for over 30 years and I uh, had no intention of doing that uh, Tracy and I when I joined I said okay it'll be three years and uh, then we're going on uh, back into the marketplace where we were when we entered but uh, we found it was it was a just a tremendous lifestyle and, and it was a people really uh, that we uh, enjoyed uh, working and living with that made it so special but uh uh, you know, led organizations from uh, as a as a leader from ten people to ten thousand uh, over the course of a career, and retired uh, a little over three years ago, and and decided, you know, we both decided that hey, we're going to make a a leap into something completely different. So made the leap into the the private sector, and and uh, you know, I, I I knew you, and actually that was. Uh, you know, during our first stint and uh, uh, followers made when I was That's making right. that transition. And, you know, to be honest, I kind of uh, wandered around or uh, not wandered around. I tried a couple of different things to, to find a, a new fit for my uh, gifts and passion to, to find that right fit so I could, uh, you know, go back at it full force. And, and uh, a little over a year ago, I, I tried a couple of different things and they were all fine, but, you know, not quite right. And about a little over a year ago, I found uh, my, my current position. They found me. It's uh, actually a family-owned uh, business. I've known the family for, gosh, 40 years or more. I grew up, uh, grew up knowing the family. And, uh, and so I was fortunate enough to join this fantastic team as the uh, COO or chief operating officer for uh, really it's a conglomerate, an enterprise consisting of a number of different com- uh, companies 
spanning a, a, a broad range of industries from heavy construction to uh, manufacturing, consumer packaging, logistics, commercial real estate, energy management, just a whole lot of different tools in the kit bag. I'll learn new things every single day. It's, it's uh, an eclectic, wide-ranging, and, and just really special group of folks that run this. I'm privileged to be part of it. So Marshall, you got to help me uh, unpack something here. I mean, I know that story, but I'm trying to fit into the chair or the the car seat, not the car seat. That sounds like a kid's seat, but uh, a lot of people listen to podcasts on their way to work and back home from work or something. So I'm just trying to imagine the pastor who's in their car listening to this going, wait a minute, Marshall was a guy who just spouted off all this stuff logistics i mean he's, he must be some mad wizard who understands you know uh industry and enterprise in a way that's at some 1201 level and then he went from leading tens to hundreds to tens of thousands so i don't know what it is about us pastor types but we tend to elevate people that can talk like that or have that experience on their resume is kind of superhuman and we don't really know how to approach you so Saying all that, I'm going to back up and I'm going to ask this. You're the last person in the world that needs something like followers made, right? <laughs> Why'd you do that? What, what was it about all the things that you thought, okay, I've got all this experience. I want to be a part of that. Help me understand that. Yeah, well, well that, that's a great question, uh, Brian, and, and, and so I'd, I'd really say there's a couple parts to the, the answer there. Uh, one is, you know, somebody may hear that and they think, oh, they wouldn't need or want something like that. And I would say there, there are folks in that position that are like that. And so what they probably lack is uh, humility or teachability or that, mm -hmm. uh, some folks tend to think they have it all figured out. And they, 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 you see them in life and they'll, they'll top out and uh, not, not grow anymore. And uh, I'm a firm believer of being a lifelong learner. And, and, and so it's also an important question because one of the keys to being successful is really you have to say no to almost everything, mm. I, even the, not just the bad stuff but or, or the negative stuff, but you have to say no to a whole lot of good stuff because you just don't have the bandwidth to engage with everything. And so to answer your question, I, I said yes and, and joined the first followers made with you. Uh, really two reasons. The first is my wife, Tracy, had mm. participated in a followers made and then followed by a leaders made. And then she had gone on to, I think she's uh, led or co-led uh, three uh, additional followers made since then uh, to continue that exponential disciple making uh, uh, movement. And, and so throughout that, that, you know, a couple of year course there, I saw the, the impact it made on her life and then the, and the exponential disciple making movement and the power of that. And I knew it was something special. And so when the, the opportunity came up, you know, of course she said, of course you have to do it. And, uh, and you know, Brian, Brian Phipps is really, really on to something here in the, in the team and the growing movement yeah, you need to do it. And, and so that's really the first reason that I took a serious look at it. And the second reason, and, and you know, again, I, I, I wasn't cold to it. I, I, you know, I'd watched her walk, uh, walk that journey. Uh, but, 
you know, throughout my time in the, in the Army, I spent essentially my entire adult life in the Army. And so a consistent focus in that is deliberate leader development hmm. through training, education, job assignments, mentorship, s- self-development. And, you know, I really enjoy uh, mentoring others and developing others where I can. I really enjoy walking alongside my peers as we face similar challenges and, mm. and, and being able to, as leaders across organizations, you know, come together and share and find out that, oh, you know, I'm not the only one having this type of struggle and uh, sharing ideas and best practices and encouraging each other that, you know, outside of the, the environment of the particular organization that you're a leader in, and then also, I enjoyed being mentored and developed and held accountable by others that were ahead of me in, in that particular journey. And so, you know, I had, that's part of the culture of, you know, the units I was in and had the privilege to serve in throughout the Army. And then once I retired, I miss that. I miss that framework. I miss that organization. I miss that uh, deliberate opportunity and and uh, really had not been real successful in the organizations, the, the private you know, companies I was part of. It, it, it was, that was, I mean, it was not totally foreign, but it was not, it was not at uh, the level that I, I desired. And so what I found that followers made and leaders made that that does provide a component of that with the, mm-hmm. the uh, uh, and, and to include the outcomes-based focus Right. It's not just, you know, we're not just talking theory and, you know, have a, you know, discussion about a book and oh, what do you think? Oh, that's interesting. But, you know, drive, develop, <laughs> you know, you know, deliberate development and change and progress uh, and, you know, where you can measurable progress and, you know, a number of dif- different dimensions that you target for for improvement. And so, mm. you know, I knew that uh, followers made and, and leaders made that was a key feature a key component the way that you uh, you've constructed it and uh, you know I found it to be very helpful and fruitful that's huge uh I want to just kind of again just talk to the person listening to this for a moment um before we move on and just remember do you remember where we met do you remember the the location where we met it was at the a uh, wine tasting party. Uh, that's right. At uh, uh, a house in Leavenworth, Kansas. Yes, yes, right. yes. Uh, at the uh, family of another military uh, leader whose wife was on my team. I don't know if we should mention names. I'll just leave them off for now. But they had a, a tasting party, and I knew I was going to finally meet. Uh, Tracy was in my leader's maid group, and, uh, and I, th- I thought I'm going to finally meet the mystery man, Marshall, who she quite honestly bragged about all the time, you'd be well, thrilled you can't to believe hear everything you hear. <laughs> True that, but she did, and I'm like, I'm going to meet this guy. And there was a part of me that's you know super intimidated, thinking, okay, I'm going to meet this guy, and he's got all these accomplishments and these resume marks, and just you know, pastor person. And I don't know. I I think I, I'm. A, I'm 53 now, so I was probably 49 or so at the time. And I just remember, I think I'd aged just enough to quit being a fanboy uh, to people, you know, to, to kind of act weird or whatnot around people that I perceive have a, a higher pedigree or whatnot. I just wanted to, I think I'd finally figured out how to just be myself and to, to ask questions. Um, <laughs> do you remember anything about that night? Was I weird and wacky or 
what was what was helpful or unhelpful about how I presented myself to you? And the goal isn't really to flatter me. It's to, what were the elements that you as a successful individual saw as helpful or meaningful in a, in a person so that others might not be weird in similar uh, exchanges? Sure. No, I just, that, not, not weird at all. And, and uh, you know, of course, Tracy had, uh, gosh, I, at that point, I don't know at what point she was in that, but, but she, she had known you for, and been in your followers made leaders made for quite some time. And, and uh, uh, had, you know, related, Hey, Hey, you know, this guy's special and, and, and uh, just the, your, 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 competence and character and, and, and your vision, quite frankly, of uh, uh, you had for disciples made. And, and of course, I'd seen you up on the stage, so I can say the same thing, right? Because like, oh, hey, I see, I I see Pastor Brian up on the stage of this church of, I don't know, however many thousand, and you, you're the rock star up there in the, in the spotlight, right? And have these amazing sermons uh, and do just a spectacular job every Sunday. So, hey, I'm intimidated by that. I can't imagine <laughs> coming up with a sermon every, uh, you know, <laughs> and, and, and have a profound message to, you know, have people walk out going, wow, that mm. really hits home. And, and so, it, 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 it's no different, right? You, it's your superpower, right? Well, I hope everybody hears that. I mean, that might be the most important thing everybody hears. We both had an opportunity to be weird. <laughs> <laughs> and we, uh, and we both had an opportunity to, uh, to just be humble and inquisitive and curious about each other's lives. And, and I just remember we've had plenty of time since then. Like we went through the followers made together. We went through leaders made together and uh, and then since then, we've gotten together every two or three months afterwards just to hang and to share stories and to learn from and benefit each other. I got two more questions here. Um, and the first one is this. What in what ways has gone going through followers made and leaders made you think most influenced how you lead now uh, home marketplace? What whatever comes to mind? What what do you think were the biggest impacts that that those experiences had on you and your leadership style? Yeah, I think uh, uh, probably uh, the biggest one is leadership and uh, as it relates to the church and and uh, you know I firm believer being a servant leader uh, in in the army and in really anything and so. So the the uh, GPS with the gifts, passions, story assessment, yeah, you know, laid out. You know, I think in some with some rigor. Okay, here here here's uh, your assessment of your gifts and passions, which you know it wasn't a surprise. I've done instruments like that uh, right. a lot, but it was good. It's always good and interesting to refresh that as you as you mature and 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 develop through life, and. And it really gave me seeing that, and then okay, let me leverage my superpowers and you know for for God in the church. And so it really gave me the freedom to be comfortable and to say no to ask from 
you know, the church that, you know, real or perceived on me to do things that weren't in alignment with that. And, you know, mm-hmm. just a quick example of that. Several times, I, hey, would you do the coffee hour after church? Yes, I will. Uh, I hate it, though. I'm no good at it. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not Mr. Hospitality. Uh, it, that's not my superpower. So I, <laughs> I, I, I did it. Now, I was happy to, but I'm not very good. I could, there's a lot of other things that I could do much better. So, so it gives me the freedom to say no to those things that aren't in alignment with that and frees me up to say yes and, and choose the things that I feel called by God to focus on and apply where I can have a much bigger impact uh, and, and have a greater impact on, on the kingdom there. And, you know, for, and increasingly I've found them are actually outside of the, you know, formal church. And so example is support, uh, uh, a food bank and like a soup kitchen type thing that puts people in contact with pastors and, you know, opportunity to hear mm. the word. And, and, you know, I just, you know, perceive a, a, a larger impact over other things I, I, I had been doing. So, and then kind of associated with that, it, uh, and also being, you know, retired from the army, giving me greater freedom to be more, uh, you know, select the people inside or outside my work environment to deliberately mentor and develop and to include, you know, their walk with Christ. Hmm. Well, that's, that sounds like a, a significant use of our mutual time. If those things are happening, it gives you more focus and joy, which I would assume is part of the biggest challenge that most folks leaving military life into civilian life face is what do I do now? Um, It's a fairly disorienting process. And the people that I've spoken to in the past, one is very orderly and predictable wherever you go. And the other one is just kind of, how do I get traction? I'm, I'm used to, I'm used to, I'm used to the (laughs) grooves of my life fitting and moving something and, and not so much, uh, in civilian life. So, wow, what timing and what a valuable use of time. Uh, This other one is um, a strange question, and it's kind of hard for folks to answer. I feel compelled to ask it anyway, even with the kind of the weirdness in there, but it's a mutually, like every relationship, it seems to me, God has wired in a way for it to be a mutually beneficial. Like he says, we're a body, you know, the noses need the feet. I guess that wasn't the best two to put together, but, um, you know, we, we <laughs> the eyes need the feet. Um, and so you've shared a little bit how uh, Disciples Made and our experience has been beneficial to you and your leadership. How would you say that your investment into me, have you seen me grow and therefore Disciples Made as a company grow Um because of the influence and the investment that you've made into us? Mm-hmm. Well, Brian, that, that, that's a tough question. I, I don't, I, I, I can answer it in this way. I can describe how I've seen you grow uh, along our journey. And I, I certainly wouldn't attribute any of that growth to anything that I may have invested, but I, you know, I was privileged enough to walk alongside you. Uh, really, we started out in followers made and, and uh, in the triad together as as I was making the transition from army to retirement to the private sector. And you were considering and, and weighing the transition from a full-time spectacular position as the pastor 
at Westside with all that goes along with it, the uh, predictability, the stability, the, the you're up on the stage to making the huge leap to the outside of that framework to launch Disciples Made as a full-time effort. And I mean, yes. it was already launched, it was already going, but that's, you're gonna jump out and, and okay, God, take it. And that I was- I forgot uh, that that was our timing. Oh my gosh, it's, yeah, that's right. And, and, and as walk, walk beside you, as you debated that and your conversations with your, your, your family and, and mm. mentors and pastors, and that was just a really special time. And, and so to answer your question, to see you make that decision, agonize on it, then made it, said, okay, I'm going and jump with both feet and then hit the ground running and then see as you grow is really, I mean, it's not just, you know, a ministry with exponential impact on making disciples, but at the same time, it has to be a successful business. It's a startup business, right? And as you talk about mm -hmm. breaking down the walls between pastors and business, I mean, it's a this ministry, it. but it's going to fail if it's not a successful business. It has to support you and the family and your growing uh, team. And it has the support to, to, to provide the tools and the technology and the market, everything that goes along with it to, to really move that flywheel, get, build that momentum, you know, create that exponential effect. Uh, as uh, what's the, what's the goal? 50, 50 movements in 50 cities and by what's the year? 20, 2040. It's when yes, you're sir. about like 60, 55, maybe. <laughs> right, right. I'll be 73. We kind of pegged it for my birthday of in 2040, August 31st of 2040. I mean, so I'll turn 73. Yeah. But, that, but that's the, the growth I've, I've seen in you, and and you've done a remarkably good job, fantastic job of integrating where appropriate those business acumen and techniques and, you know, the way to look at it, which is interesting in, in a lot of, uh, I, I won't say just pass, pass, pastors, but a lot of folks that I've encountered over the years and trying to make big things happen in, in churches, uh, a lot of times I've gotten pushback on, well, you're, you know, you're being too businesslike, or it's a, you know, this is, should be a, a prayerful thing. Well, well, yes, it's not mutually exclusive. It also, the math has to work out or, you know, we, uh, you, you have to have faith, but you know, let's, let's have a plan. Right. Let's plan for success. Yeah. And Marshall, you know, I like to be able to answer the question I ask, and it's really beautiful when the answer that I have in mind is like parallel, uh, synonymous almost with what you said. So here's how I would say it in, a, in an exacting way. When we, um, and you said it to begin, it's kind of funny how, how you laid it out. It's like, if you're, you're a multiplying ineffective. You basically said this, you're a world-class disciple maker. And for you to hit your world-sized dreams with your world-class disciple making processes, you need to have world-class business disciplines to make sure they get there. You didn't use those words, but that's how I translated Marshall into my mind and heart and soul. 
You're much and, more eloquent. That's why you're on the stage. <laughs> well, I've had time to try to get that down to that to that piece because I've used that phrase over and over and over again. And it provided clarity for me as to what I had to accomplish. And uh, and the burden to get to that succinct uh, language came from you. And you actually gave me a tool at the very beginning of it. Uh, you said, well, Brian, if I, can, if I can leave. Well, yeah. oh, shoot. Where is Rocket Fuel? Tra- yeah, it's, to a, lunch. it's a companion book, Traction. and uh, Rocket No, I know. Fuel. I just right. got back. I just got back from lunch where my new integrator, Mitch Rice, who was on the episode one of this uh, podcast thing, We've got a new integrator. His name's Mitch. He's awesome. We just got back from lunch and we debriefed the first half of Rocket Fuel today. That's but the, but you said, go get traction, read it, then get Rocket Fuel and read it. I did do traction right away. We have been implementing traction for over two years now. We've got the core values. We've got the niche. We've got the uh, proven process, the guarantee, the core values, the distinctives, the three-year plan. We've got it all, man. And it sings. And I just actually started uh, in, in a kind of a business mastermind group. Acumen uh, is uh, sure. based in Kansas City, uh, right. business roundtable group. And uh, in fact, Dan Cooper was on episode two of this podcast. He's a, a partner owner. Of that, so um, man, that that's the imprint that Marshall had on my life. Make sure you have the business disciplines to support this, or it's not going to see the realization. So yeah, not scalable. Yeah, you. Yeah. So you're clearly the. That's what I, I remember. I, I told you, you're clearly the visionary, and you know, credit where credits due. You're one of the rare people who are very good visionaries and integrators, but that won't scale. There's only one of you. So I'm glad you yeah. have your integrator on board now. He's amazing. And what he's doing, it's kind of funny when you, if you're in a startup and most pastors are really this, you're the visionary on Sunday and you're the integrator the rest of the week long. Yeah, sure. And you develop this skill of being not really good at either of them, unless you're a really unique individual. Right. And the and biggest thing frankly, it's, it's, it's uh, unreasonable for people to expect you know, congregations to expect that their pastors should be that way. It's not, it's not normal. Yeah. And it totally makes sense. And what, here's the biggest aha, Marshall. I think you'll, you'll giggle at this a little bit um, with your background. So I come, you know, Mitch comes in and he's, and I, I'm extremely grateful. I'm realizing he's going to bring the superpower in the, in the, in, in the 45 or 40 percent that I have no business running, like the integration part, like 40 percent of it, like I just don't get it. I don't, you know, but here's what's funny when you have to play both visionary and integrator in a startup situation, you become, like I said, really good at neither of them, but adequate in both of them. Mm-hmm. And now that he's carrying that full half, I'm realizing my deficit as a true visionary because I've had to do a hybrid both. In fact, when we were trying to bring more of the visionary component to the three-year plan, like I thought the three-year vision was only numbers, like stuff that you measure. But there's a there's a uh, there's a visual, there's a more narrative component to a three-year sure. vision story. That, that we get coached how to do. And and so Mitch actually asked me, he said, I want you to work on that over the weekend, come and bring the first draft um, to the executive team meeting on Monday. So there you go. I Crack got that in. whip. Yeah, he was cracking. That's what the integrators do, right? So I come in, I think about it all weekend. I come in, I put it on my whiteboard in my office because I want Mitch to see it prior to the executive team meeting. 
he comes in. You're going to love this. He comes in and he says, really? That's it? <laughs> he's like, he's like, those are the right pieces, but you wrote it like an integrator. What does it really look like? And the bad thing about it was, I had five more minutes until the executive team meeting and I had to use the bathroom. So there's a solid three of my five. <laughs> so here's what happened. I'm in the restroom trying to figure out how, what I, one, I thought I'd given, I was proud of it. I was really proud of it. And he had said, you can level that up by at least 30%. And I looked at him and, and, and then I was talking to guy while in the bathroom, like, I don't know how to make this better. You're going to have to show up. So I come back in my office. I take a picture of it with my phone. I go into our lounge area where the meeting was to happen. And it got to that point. And I just went up there and I said, okay, here's my notes, which was the picture of my board. <laughs> and I'll just write. God, you show up. And it was, it's almost like I kind of blacked out and they could feel it too. And I wrote our, um, the uh, five or six elements of that three-year vision. And wow. I turned around and it's like, Mitch had a tear coming down. It was like one of these, he's helping me grow into something I didn't know I had. That's, that's awesome. So, and it's actually profound. Well, what we almost did this bonus episode on those elements of the three-year vision and perhaps uh elements of that will come out soon but marshall that would not have happened had you not been one the man that you are which is a man that i want to listen to that i can't wait to spend time with because of the value you bring as you look into my life and make me better and allow me to to do the same for you with the little ways i can but uh this would not be a part of my life nearly as much without your influence. I just want to thank you for being you. Thanks for being my friend and thanks for being willing to spend some time on the podcast. What have you not had a chance to say uh, that you want to say before we sign off? Yeah, well, I, I just want to re reflect that and thank you for being there in that major transition in my life to, to, you know, take off the uniform and, and jump into the, the private sector and, uh, you know, that really uh, your, your, your wisdom and your counsel and your perspective was, was tremendously helpful and, and uh, really helped me realize a couple of places that, you know, that I was, yeah, it's probably not the right fit and no need to settle for that. And, uh, you know, wound up where we are today and making big impact and doing great things for communities. And hmm. you know, I appreciate it. Special times, my friend. You, you, you helped me remember we were both in a major transition. Yes, wow. sir. God's pretty cool at how he writes things. I'll keep chasing him down. Thanks for joining us for this last episode of this bonus season. Look forward to seeing you next week as we kick off the new series. Your small groups don't have to suck. <laughs> Your small. What do you think about that title, Marshall? I think it's perfect. It's true. <laughs> I hate that word. When my kids started using that word suck, I cringe. That was like a really bad word uh, growing up. I didn't like it, but uh, it's popular. And there's a lot of people that actually believe that small groups don't work. We want to tell you that they can multiply disciples. See you next week on the Disciples Made Podcast. Mm -hmm.